Good morning, Victory family and friends. Hope you heard that. Uh, it's good to see you this morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. We rejoice and we are absolutely glad in it. Uh, my name is Paul and I'm privileged to serve as your pastor. Uh, and I am so grateful for our community, Victory Church of Charlottesville, where we get to pursue together uh, the vision of seeing people reconciled to God and to each other. And if you're with us for the very first time, maybe the second time, third time, fourth time, tenth time, welcome. We're glad to have you and thankful that you've, uh, you've chosen to make us your church home for the next 29 minutes. Uh, glad to have you. And I should modify that 29 minutes. It's going to go a little bit longer today because there are some things that I just want to share uh, as, as part of the message, but, uh, but, but on top of that 29 minutes, if you will. But uh, we are in a sermon series that, that is entitled Awesome God, and uh, it, it's allowing us the opportunity to examine the awesomeness of God uh, through the encounters of men and women in Scripture uh, and th the encounters that they had with God. And in each instance, there's a particular name of God that captures what God reveals about himself in that encounter. Last week, we talked about El Shaddai. This, this morning, we're going to highlight Jehovah, Yahweh. Um, and I'd like to invite you all to that end, actually, um, whether victory is your church home or not, just to, to join us this week, beginning tomorrow, as we kick off our annual corporate fast that we do in concert with our Every Nation family of churches. Uh, it'll be tomorrow through Friday. We'll be fasting together. This morning on our Zoom call, Kara Kidd, one of our Victory Group leaders, shared a really, really good and healthy word around that fasting process. And if you missed that, uh, there's also a really good guide that you can access. And if I can, I'll try to drop it here in the chat. Um, and it explains why we fast, how we can fast, and also highlights the scriptures that we are going to be praying into every uh, every single day this um, and we want you to, to, to pray with us as we go throughout this week. And our prayer team, for whom we are incredibly grateful, will actually have two times every day that they'll be on that uh, the, the, the prayer line, the phone number that we usually use every Monday night at 8 p.m. Every day this week at 6.30 a.m. I mean, you know, Jesus got up early to pray. Uh, and then also at 8 p.m. So if you don't want to be like Jesus at 6.30, I'm kidding. I am kidding. Uh, we will have two times, 6.30 a.m., 8 p.m., each for 20 minutes every day of the week so that we can corporately come and boldly approach the throne of grace together. I'm so encouraged that we uh, have Jesus' example to live a life of prayer, um, and we can bear God's image really no other way than through a life of prayer. And so I pray that you'll join us um, this week. Today... Today we're going to be looking at the book of Exodus, uh, chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 15. Again, 29 minutes is usually about how long we share on Sunday mornings. This morning it'll be a little bit long, I just want to warn you, um, uh, uh, as we just want to share some other more, uh, some, some notes, if you will, uh, pastoral notes and some direction related to Victory Church uh, and just recasting vision as we begin this calendar year. But Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. Before we read, let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God. I pray that you would open up our eyes so that we can see all of the wonderful things that you have for us in your law. 
Help us, Jesus, as we study. Holy Spirit, please speak this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Exodus chapter 3, um, 15 verses, a lot more than usual. So that's in part why we'll go a little longer, but also some other things we want to we tie in. Uh, Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 15 from the NIV reads this way. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why does the bush not burn up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the, bo the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land and a land flowing, a land, excuse me, flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Verse 15, God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. Amen. Word of the Lord is already blessed. Um, and the title of today's message is Jehovah. Jehovah. Last week, El Shaddai. This week, we're going to focus on Jehovah. Now, the basic theme, if you will, of this text is the presence of God. And what it means to us when we encounter situations that are beyond our ability. Anybody have any of those? Uh, Moses had a great mission uh, to, to encounter that was more than he could handle. And God's consistent answer to Moses' awareness of his inability was, I'll be with you. This was God's answer to Moses and his mission to Pharaoh. This was God's answer to the Israelites and their mission to take the land. And this is still God's answer to us. And the mission he has given us. Amen. And what is that mission? I'm glad that you asked. Uh, I'll digress for a moment. Though it's really not a digression. It's very relevant to what we're talking about. And again, the broader recasting of vision here at Victory. Matthew chapter 28 verses 19 and 20 says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father 
and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. There are so many expressions of that mission that for the Big C Church, all of whom follow Jesus, many expressions though. Some local ministries may have uh, small groups like we do, and that's a primary discipleship engine of the, the church. Some do a lot of events, which we don't tend to do a lot of. Some have uh, you know, robust prison ministries. Some, uh, some might even uh, set up and create and, and, and operate a fully functioning school within the church. Some, you know, rock to Israel Houghton, some might rock to Carrie Job or Jonathan McReynolds or Lecrae, or if you're me, John P. Key. Um, some have housing ministries, get this, that provide reasonably priced housing uh, to neighbors in the community to help them, you know, build a savings and establish a legacy of financial inheritance for future generations, which we at Victory are embarking upon right now. The local church gets to embrace its particular expression, if you will, of that mission. And for us, that expression, uh, uh, the expression of that great commission is led primarily by 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, which says, all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself and then gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That's us. And even further, God has he's given our house, Victory Church, a particular appreciation for justice. That which uh, creates room or, or lays out the bridge for reconciliation to even occur. We unapologetically pursue justice in our community. In Jesus' name as a gospel imperative. And it's from that place on those terms that we endeavor then to facilitate reconciliation. Micah 6 and 8 says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 17 says, Learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. And knowing all of the many challenges of that pursuit, the layers of challenges, um, just even right here in our local city of Charlottesville and certainly across the country. How many know that's beyond our ability? It's beyond our capacity. I texted a couple of former graduate students uh, this past week, and, and we were reflecting via text on the time that we got to go to the, to, to the, to the Capitol building in Washington, D.C. It was a part of some some uh, larger legislative advocacy work on behalf of school counselors. And I was able to go and I was then able to invite these former students to come with me. And it was a, a good opportunity for all of us to advocate for a group of educators that we believe should be well-funded, et cetera, et cetera. And so we were given, as we were texting each other, we were given so much detailed information, detailed before we went, like what to bring, uh, what not to bring, what time to arrive, what doors to go through, then we get there early, very early, of course, and we went through even more layers of instruction and security. And then we met with uh, 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 representatives. There were, well, before we even got to the representatives, there were all of these layers of people before we even got to them. 
And many times it wasn't even the, the senator that we got a chance to meet with. It, it might have been a staffer or, or, or a staffer or some other, you know, team member. And then we were, were texting all of this, and, and then we, we, we get to the point of this past week, this past week, this past week, this past week, January 6th, Wednesday. And yes, the joy of the Lord, it remains and always will be my strength. And I'm also angry. I'm just mad. Because I pray like you, Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer, uh, and have for a long time, Lord, let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And this ain't heaven. <laughs> There's a gap. <laughs> and so I had so many thoughts, and we were sharing thoughts, and, and one of those thoughts was about justice, about which I was just referencing. Not just for this singular moment or the singular events, but certainly for that too, but also for the hundreds of years that this event is inextricably linked to and represents. And this is why our sermon series here at Victory Church, we make mention of such dynamics, whether it's currently in the news or not. We know it's always there. It's always been there. And so when I hear about the supposed reclamation of a country that was looted and stolen to begin with, then built on the back of blacks who have throughout history been systematically devalued evidence in part by practices and policies over time and way too many other statistics that persist today that we can go through this morning. I wonder, God, how? I'm tired. How, how do we go about pursuing justice? What does it look like? to do so in your name. How do we pursue justice as Micah talks about in this space, in this city of Charlottesville and wherever you might be if you're watching from outside of our city? It seems like this just might be how it goes. Just how it's gonna be until we get to glory. And, and yes, I've got, as I've gotten older, a deeper appreciation for the, the hymns that have been sung over time. What if this is just how it goes? And yet God says to Moses, and I pray that it echoes in our minds and our hearts today as well. I'll be with you. Keep going. Keep fighting. Victory Church, keep pushing. Keep dismantling. Keep disrupting. Keep speaking truth to power with grace. Keep going. And not because of our own self-efficacy. I talk a lot about that in education. We, 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 we work, do a lot of things to facilitate the healthy and high sense of self-efficacy on the part of students. And we, we do that with each other, right? It's, it's the measure of one's ability to accomplish a task. It's a good thing to have a high sense of self-efficacy for sure. But, but in this moment, God, it's not about my self-efficacy because I'm tired. I'm done. If you had a neighbor, maybe a virtual one to text, I would say text them, God, I want a high God efficacy. Help me with my measure of God's ability to accomplish a task in this moment. Help that to be very high. I'm declaring today that I got a high God efficacy. And when Jehovah is working through me, 
And not just me working through me, though he gives us skills and talents to, to deploy, absolutely. But when Jehovah's working through me, then, Lord, may your power be made perfect in our weakness and the supernatural be released. That's what we need right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. It's a gospel imperative. It's not separate from, from our following of Jesus Christ. It's who Jesus is. It's a God of justice. But, Lord, we need you. We need you in this moment. In our little corner of the world, Charlottesville, Victory Church of Charlottesville, it is on. Because we will keep going and we will keep pushing. And my only question for you as I, as I close this long parenthetical and move on is, you coming? Are you coming? Who are you with? <laughs> if you will. Lord, help us as we move forward. Help us to serve out of the strength that you provide, as 1 Peter 4 says. Help us, Jehovah Yahweh. To be simply a conduit through whom you impact this community and more broadly for the kingdom of God. Now, for some context, for this book of Exodus that we've read, some of which we've read this morning, the primary theme of this book is redemption. How about that? Redemption. Redemption revealed throughout the book in the judgment of Egypt, in the Passover, in, in, in the parting of the Red Sea, and and as one commentator puts it, the Exodus provides for the rest of the biblical record a form of language and imagery for communicating the message of salvation. The entire book of Exodus was written for the edification and education of the Israelites about to enter the promised land. And so one of the questions I want us to ask of this particular text that we've read this morning is how does it apply to the Israelites about to enter the land? Or what is, what is Moses trying to say to the Israelites through this text? And when we answer that question, then we're ready to answer the next question. How does the text apply to us? And whatever we don't get to today, because we never get to everything in the 29 minutes or longer this morning that we have, you can get to in your victory groups, which, by the way, they kick off this week, y'all. Starting back up, and shout out to Tiffany Nguyen who has now taken the reins and is stewarding our victory groups, our small groups discipleship process. And I, I'm just ecstatic and exciting about, excited about all the things ahead. Get in a group, y'all. Submit that electronic connect card and find your group. We're kicking off this week. But when Moses delivered this message to the Israelites, they were camped on the plains of Moab across the valley from Jericho, facing very fierce militaristic uh, 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 of tribes with a reputation for violence and brutality. The Israelites, on the other hand, had no military training. And so they knew, God, if you don't show up, if you don't come, they were going to get slaughtered. Women would be taken advantage of. Children would be sold into slavery. It would be bad. And so they needed a deep assurance of God's presence, his power, and his promises. And Moses, he knew he couldn't go with them into the land and therefore he was like preparing them for life without his leadership which by the way another small parenthetical if you want to know a little bit about how to pray for your pastor in addition to uh gosh this is a carbon dioxide in addition to the fact that i'm just trying to get into my old t-shirts this pandemic and all y'all's blessings of cool jack's ice cream which I don't like to waste. I like to be a good steward of resources. So, you know, it's, it's not going to waste. That's one prayer. But anyways, um, and no, don't type in the chat. I can just freeze them. I know that, but that's no fun. Who does that? Um, but in addition to that prayer for your pastor, you can also 
You could also pray that I lead in such a way that should there be some reason for which I'm no longer here, that this vision, which is God's vision, first of all, can be carried on, stewarded well. Pray for your pastor that I, I lead in such a way that Victory Church life without my leadership, as Moses was trying to do, would still go on. Moses' written narrative then, similar to my own, uh, it, it, it must emphasize the promises of God and God's power to accomplish those promises. And so ultimately, Moses has to convince the people that God is with them in the fullest sense of what that phrase means. Now, for some more historical context, even leading up to the events recorded in chapter 3, the verses that precede it in chapter 2, uh, they explain the life experience of the Israelites and set the context for Moses' encounter with God. And let me go and read just a few of those verses for that context. This is Exodus chapter 2, verses 23 through 25. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites, and he was concerned about them. Now, there's no clear indication that the Israelites were, like, praying or, you know, really seeking God's face and all this. I think they were kind of, they just wanted out of this painful situation that they were in. And during the uh, 200 or so uh, years between the death of Joseph and the birth of Moses, the people's faith in God, let's just say it kind of wavered, declined a bit. Some would say it even eroded. Um, and some would argue that the only evidence of anyone with faith at all are uh, people named Shipra and Pua. If you look at Exodus 1, verses 15 to 21, where it said that they feared God and they didn't, they didn't do what the king of Egypt told them to do. That's the only evidence, along with Moses' parents, we see in Hebrews 11 uh, and 23, which also said that they too were not afraid of the king's edict. And so, given that, God's decision to rescue the Israelites wasn't, it wasn't necessarily based on their complete surrender to or dependence on him, but rather was based entirely on his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. Now, I know some of y'all watching this morning were born on the pew, the church pew. Right. You just straight up came out the womb speaking in tongues. I know. I get it. You surrendered your life to God with the first words that you spoke. Those Romans 10, 9 and 10. Those that was it. It wasn't mama. It was daddy. It was confessing. Jesus is Lord. I know some of y'all fall into that camp. But some of y'all know. God came and he rescued you. When you really didn't even want to have even the occasional talk with God. He came where you were and he rescued you. And if that's you. You find yourself here in that part of the text. I'm sure your neighbors will forgive you this morning if you just let out a little hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he has done for me, my soul has got to cry out hallelujah. Hallelujah. Again, I may not be talking to all y'all. Like I said, some of y'all, you know, might be like the super saved, you know, like, like you and Jesus. Y'all cool like that. You're just real calm and <laughs> Obviously, I'm kidding a bit, but some of y'all know, hopefully all of you know where Jesus found you. I remember where he found me and where I'd be if Jesus had not rescued me. And as such, I got some high God efficacy. I know, hopefully you know what God can do because he's already found you. He found me. I got high 
God efficacy. This was meant to be a deep encouragement to the Israelites facing the, the challenges, the terrors, if you will, that they had in front of them entering into the, the, the promised land. And, and all that I want to do this morning is to highlight a few verses within our text. It's a long on-ramp, if you will, to highlighting a few verses and we can't go through all 15, obviously, but victory groups, hello, knock yourselves out with what we can't finish today. Uh, verse 1 says this, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And all that I want to highlight here, y'all, is the sense of the ordinary and the mundane. Quite the contrast of what's about to happen. Now, although it's been 40 years since, since we've really had any information about Moses, he is still just keeping the sheep. Right. Some of y'all were just faithfully clocking in, clocking out every day, serving on that victory team faithfully throughout the week, leading that victory group or participating in that victory group faithfully, showing up to the meetings once or twice, maybe three times a month. No fanfare or anything. Your picture may not even be on the website. I may not have mentioned your name from the pulpit yet. But can I encourage you today? Stay alert in what seems to be the mundane. Stay alert because God wants to show up for you and for me just like he showed up for Moses. Brother was just, he just tending to the sheep. 40 years we hadn't heard much. There may even be times, y'all, can I encourage you, that it seems like there's an expiration date on the call you believed God had on your life. Remember, 40 years since he heard anything. Brother was just serving faithfully. And then verse 2 happens. It says, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire with we don't have time, but we know fire represents in Scripture the presence of God. Victory groups, y'all are meeting this week. You want a little trivia, a little just spice up things. How many times in Scripture is fire used as a symbol of God's presence? How many times is it mentioned? Just a little fun for victory groups bragging rights, whatever. <laughs> Verse 3 goes on to say, Moses thought, I will go over and see the strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up? Verse 4, when the Lord, the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. And God says this, do not come any closer. I want to stop there for a little more. And I know we don't have a, don't have a whole lot of time, but I want to stop there because what is it, what is it about when God is calling us calling you to draw draw near, but then it's like, hold up, <laughs> watch out, don't come any closer. There, there's like a tension that we see here in the text, isn't there? All throughout Exodus and even continuing on uh, <clears throat> beyond that, there's this tension for God's people to draw near, and then there's this danger involved in drawing near. I'll make it personal. Paul, you want to start that church? You sure? You sure? And what's your vision? You sure you want to you want to you want to jump onto that vision? You sure you want to lead that team? You sure you want to lead that group? You you sure? Come on in, come on a little closer. But hey, watch out because the fire of God is gonna have to burn some stuff off of you as you continue to draw near. It's a refining fire. You can't bring all that stuff with you the closer you come on in. And that many times, if I'm honest, can, that can be what gets in our way. God wants to refine, but that fire, whoo! Fire is no joke. Come on in a little closer. You get the feel a little bit. You're like, okay, God, I'm good. Listen, I will go back to carrying the drum, a mic, all the stuff that I used to do on the set up and tear down team in a previous church. But the tension, 
in the scripture. Again, it continues on into Leviticus and is never really fully resolved until the birth, the, 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 the life, the death and resurrection of our Lord. There had to be a sinless substitute to bridge that gap. And even us in our human flesh, there's still this come closer. Oh, but the refining fire as we are made more like him in this process of sanctification. And then we get to verse seven. Remember in the prelude, before I get to verse 7, the prelude, the, the chapter 2, verses 23 through 25, uh, if I can go back to that momentarily, Moses used about four uh, verbs in reference to God. The first three of those verbs all had direct objects. God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant. God saw his people. But the last verb is kind of left dangling out there. No direct object. We're not told what he knew or what or why he was concerned about them. But, but, but here, in verse 7, we finally discover it's a pretty neat sort of literary device in Scripture uh, to, to kind of highlight and reveal something about God. And so we finally discover here what God knew or what he was concerned about. Their suffering. He's revealed, God is, as the one who is deeply touched by the pain and sorrow of people. Turn to your neighbor, virtual, text them, and say, I got a high God efficacy. My God identifies with where I'm at right now. God identifies with their suffering. And Lord knows there's enough pain huh, to be experienced in this thing called life. I often say you're going into something usually. You're in the midst of it or you're coming out of it. Black, white, Latinx, Asian, male, female, married, single, there's enough pain to go around, but the good news is God identifies with their and our sufferings. And the loneliness, the loneliness that can often accompany your not feeling like you're heard or understood by many, no matter how well you articulate the degree to which, for example, systemic racism has permeated your lived experience. It's so real, that loneliness. It's palpable. Trying to express it. I can't. I'm tired of trying to articulate it. But God, thank God for good news that God understands. I got a high God self-efficacy because he identifies with their and our suffering. He hears, remembers his covenant. He sees, and we're going to hear later from, from one of our own here at Victory later this month about how he sees. And he knows, he, he is concerned with, verse 7 says, our suffering. Hallelujah. Good news means I'm not alone. I'm understood. I'm seen. This morning, it might seem like you might feel like you're alone and nobody really gets. Man, we saw Wednesday coming. That wasn't no surprise. God says, I see you. You're not alone. What's happening now? Don't mistake it for my for God's apathy. I see you. I've given mankind some choices and we fumbled as mankind. But God knew their pain in this text because he'd one day come and experience their pain as he walked among them as the man of sorrows in the person of Jesus Christ. Verses eight, verse eight, I'll move on. So I have come down. I have come down to bring them up. What a fitting picture is it not of Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ. And for a moment, let me just bring this into our world a little bit and reinforce victory's posture in Charlottesville for a moment. We as I mentioned, we've embraced an expression of ministry that looks like us starting in the in the margins of our community and then pursuing justice there and beginning the reconciliation process from that place on those terms. 
which by no means, <sighs> no means is saying we are from some lofty place coming down. We're not Jesus, right? We, we are rather remembering the ways Jesus pursued the tax collector, the fisherman, the woman at the well, the woman caught in adultery, us. <laughs> he came and found us. Now we, in our context, get to be a part of a sustained, sustained relational pursuit of justice as a gospel imperative. To what? To remove the barriers to our community seeing God more clearly and by extension, each other more clearly and rightly. In 2021, Victory Fam, I believe God's calling us a little deeper. To dig a little deeper. And may the fire of God burn off those things that might prohibit us from going in and knowing Jesus a little more fully in this way. And in so doing, we might be tempted to say like Moses did in verse 11 after God sent him to Pharaoh. Who am I? Who am I? <laughs> what have I become? Couldn't help. That's like the Annie movies version of this text. Anyways, uh, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? Moses, like us, had every reason to be uh, or to feel inadequate. Uh, he he was an outlaw in many ways. He was in exile. He was a, he was you know a, a, a shep a mere shepherd. Um, and his one intervention with his Hebrew brothers, it didn't exactly inspire confidence in them to follow his leadership. And so now he's timid. He's unsure of himself, shrinking back, if you will, from the assertiveness that the divine commission is demanding of him. God help us. God's answer to Moses in verse 12, his, 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 his answer to his inadequacy is the same answer that he's giving each of us with the same concern. I will be with you I got a high God efficacy now I suspect Moses wasn't primarily concerned that the Israelites would care much about the specifics of God's name but more that they would really be concerned with sort of what 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 is what does his name mean in the circumstances that we are in as I close what what does God's name mean given where we are at God, what does your name mean, for example, when I've lost the physical presence here on earth, the person that I was so close to in this life? What does your name mean in that? What does your name mean when it seems like I just can't catch a break? What does it mean when, 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 what does your name mean when, when there's more month than money? What does your, what does your name mean when the world seems to be against me? What does your name mean when my own family is turning against me? What does it mean when it seems like every health problem is in my house? What does it mean when my marriage looks like it's about to crumble? What does your name mean when I'm faced with an obstacle that seems a little too high to climb? God says in verse 14, I am. I am who I am. Just tell them I am sent you. And that name Jehovah Look it up in the Hebrew. It translates Jehovah, originally Yahweh. It's a word play on this Hebrew word to be. It can mean I am who I am or I will who I will be or I will cause what I will cause to be. And that ought to make you shout. God is still in control. It implies God's presence. I will be with you. And it implies God's power to deliver. And this, the end of verse 15 says, is my name forever. Forever. 
and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. I said as I close already, as I close again, what is it that you are facing right now that only an awesome God like that can fight? What void do you have that only Jehovah could fill? What mountain are you climbing that you feel is unfit? Think of the, the song. Have you any rivers you feel are uncrossable? God specializes. The same Yahweh who emboldened Moses for this mission that he was called to is the same self-existent one who will empower you and I to face that which we cannot on our own. May we have a high God efficacy. God, we declare you are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you for adding to our faith. We thank you for increasing in us the God efficacy. We see what's happening around us. It is exasperate. We're tired, God, and yet Jehovah, Yahweh, the things for which we are feeling inadequate, unfit, tired, straight up of, oh, through us, the supernatural can continue to be released. Help us today. Help us in acknowledging truly an awesome God. May we be encouraged, may we be admonished, may we be reminded that we, we're just conduits, conduits through whom you get to work. And so we acknowledge you as such today. And for those with our eyes closed and heads bowed who have yet to embrace this awesome God about which we spoke this morning. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior and you want to, you can pray this simple prayer. It's found in the New Testament book called Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10, which says you can repeat after me in your living room. I confessed with my mouth Jesus is Lord and I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. And if you've confessed and declared that, the Bible says you're saved. Saved from the penalty of sin. And in this life, we get to continually be saved from the power of sin as we grow in grace. And someday when we leave this earth, saved from the presence of sin, when we go as we believe according to scripture to be with our heavenly father and though our time on earth having confessed that doesn't mean a storm free life it doesn't mean a storm free life you're gonna feel it but it's storm proof in that god's in the boat the awesome god about which we just spoke in this text and in a very real sense our lives today is with us to guide us to give us wisdom to be a refuge, to be safety. And God, it is to the rock that we cling today. Rock of ages. Clef for me, let me hide myself in thee. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. Amen. If you made that decision to follow Jesus for the first time, maybe you're rededicating your life because you've you've once confessed Jesus, but your life now doesn't quite look anything like you think a believer is ought to. There's a connect card in our box. We want to know, not just to be nosy, but we need each other. You heard me talk about victory groups. And so as you fill out that connect card and say, hey, I gave my life to Christ today. What's next? We'll love to follow up with you. What is next? And how you can find a local church, whether it's victory or another, with whom you can walk out this life. So that in times like these, we can find the awesome God that he still is. We want to do that for and with each other. Again, Victory Fam, if you've not connected with the Victory Group, I, I would love to get the email that says, we're, we're full, we're at the gills, and we already got some that are. Find find your people, get in the group. That's scripture, that's not me. Don't get mad at me, get mad at the scripture that says we ought to do things in concert with other folks in a local church. Anyways, we love you. Y'all, we are here to live in victory, which implies some battles. And we're in some, but the fight is fixed. Love y'all. You serve a way maker. Let's live in victory. Have a blessed day.